Hello and welcome to Teasel Pop. My name's Eve. And I'm Laura. And this week we're talking about classroom management, but not classroom management for kids, but actually for working with adults. So that's interesting. When most of us think of classroom management, we think of working with children and we automatically assume that classroom management is more challenging with children than it is for adults. Mm -hmm. Why is it important to have a conversation about classroom management with adult learners? Well, I think exactly for that reason, there aren't many conversations happening around Mm. the topic. And I look through quite a few resources um, related to classroom management, whether it's like just ELT books or specific books related to management and actually talking about adults and working with adult learners wasn't really mentioned, wasn't mentioned at all or not in much detail. So as a result, I think teachers go into teaching adults thinking it's going to be very smooth and then they encounter problems that they're not prepared for. Yeah, I think quite often we have our go-to strategies for dealing with young learners. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if the student does this, then I'm going to react in this way. If the Mm -hmm. student breaks a rule, then the consequence is you know maybe they won't be able to get to sit next to their friend sometimes when we're working with adults we just feel a bit awkward imposing those rules and consequences absolutely so for this episode we're going to talk about some common classroom management problems that we've encountered with our adult students and what we would do in those circumstances okay so scenario number one the learner is always late to class oh there's always one or two (laughs) or three (laughs) So what, what do you do in this situation? So I think it's really important to understand why they're arriving late. If the class is immediately after work, they might just naturally have problems to arrive on time. So I'd always try and talk to a student who was arriving persistently late. I'd probably ask them to stay after the class to have a word. Um, if they're not arriving late because of work, then that probably impresses upon them that it might not be the most respectful thing to be arriving late to the class. If I, I think it's also really important to set expectations at the beginning of the course. So yeah. to explain to students that if they do have to be late or if they are going to they know that they're going to be late to let the teacher know with prior warning. So what would you do if a student kept arriving late to all of your classes? Well, I agree with you. I definitely have a chat with that student after the class to see what the cause is. And if it is a case that a student just can't get hit there on time because of work or family commitments, then maybe you can come to agreement where they... Um, have a seat um, in the classroom that doesn't interrupt the flow of Mm. things where they can come in and join and catch Mm. up with whatever they've missed yeah it's often it's quite often how they join the group as well when Mm. they're late if they're coming in you know uh, pushing past people Mm. dragging their things on the floor uh, making a noise saying what are we doing what are we doing in a loud voice then that really disrupts things yeah it's just not fair to the other learners it's going to cause Uh, the the other learners aren't going to really want to work with that Mm. person if they're interrupting and always coming in late and they're going to have to like restart the lesson because that person was late so the second one is the learner who's reluctant to speak in class that's quite common in asia um you get a lot of learners that just don't want to speak they feel really self-conscious or nervous and they're not used to the communicative classroom what would you do in those cases well i never put the learner on the spot to push them to talk in front of the class if they're not comfortable to do that I think that just adds to the anxiety that they already have coming into maybe a new classroom environment that they've not experienced before so instead I take a a long-term approach in building their confidence so they do feel um, more willing to speak in front of the class and this can be achieved by getting to work in pairs or groups Mm -hmm. and while they're doing that I move around the classroom and if I hear a particularly shy student say something really good I can say oh that's a great idea 
I'm going to ask you to share that in front of the class, that exact idea that you just said. So they already know that A, the idea is good, and they've got the, got praise from the teacher, and they already know what to expect, that they are going to be called on to mm. share that, that, that great thing that they said with their group or partner. Do you have any other strategies that you use to encourage students that may be a bit reluctant at the start to speak in class? Well, I guess like you, it's it's kind of adopting a think-pair-share model. So the first step might be giving them the questions and letting them think about it just to themselves without saying anything. And then later, you pair them and they can tell their partner. And then afterwards, when they're feeling more confident, they can share as an entire class. So I think giving them thinking time definitely helps. I guess also uh, letting them be with their friends a little bit and choose who they talk to also helps to improve the dynamic. And even making routines in your um, routine speaking tasks for the learners in class. So one thing that I've done before is uh, sharing your daily news or sharing about the weekend as soon as they come into class. So then they get used to uh, sharing and they know what's expected from the conversation. Mm, They're really good ideas. So how about scenario three? That learner who always talks in class, so the other end of the spectrum, the one that's always raising a hand and wanting to answer all of the questions and tends to, you know, dominate conversation as a result. Yeah, I think that's quite a curious one. I think most teachers will recognise it. Um, There's always one that does dominate more than others. I had one that um, I think was dominating a lot, but uh, I think there was a bit of a mental health issue at the same time. So that was quite a sensitive uh, topic to address. I think that one easy thing that teachers can do in those cases is nominate students during open class to actually use students' names to nominate who they want to answer a question. And also having a hands-down policy, so hands-down, hands-on-the-desk, so then the the students aren't always volunteering themselves to answer. Mm, That's a good idea. I think that's really good ideas. I think, for me, um, in addition to what you just mentioned, I think I'd also try and get that learner to perhaps talk about what they heard from their partner or from their group so they're not always talking Mm. about themselves and their um, point of view but it encourages them to actually listen and not dominate pair work and group conversations as well but actually listen and summarize what their partners have said so in a way that's that's a kind of technique that I use that not I, I know they can still dominate in whole class discussion, mm-hmm. but at least when it comes to group work and pair work, they are given even more of a purpose. Oh, I really do have to listen to my classmates because I'm going to be asked what they think and what they mm. said and not just it being all about me. That's a great idea. Okay, so the next one is the learner that doesn't want to work with others. Um, I think that's really interesting because that's something that happened in one of uh-huh. the classes that we were observing recently. That Wasn't it that one of the, te- the teaching practice students just turned around and s- during a mingle and said, I don't want to work with you and walked away? Um, that's quite a difficult situation to deal with. Yeah, it's quite an extreme situation. That was actually um, my class that happened and I wasn't expecting that to happen. Obviously, something had happened earlier in prior classes that I wasn't aware of between the two students, and there'd been a bit of a fallout. So I think in that case, obviously, talk to the students afterwards to try and resolve any Mm. conflicts that may be going on. Uh, Maybe talk to their friends as well to see what the situation is and if you can come to resolve. I wouldn't pair students who don't Mm. get along because it is just going to cause a lot of conflict. So if you are aware of personalities that clash, then don't put them together. 
do you have any other suggestions? I mean, it's quite an extreme one to actually have someone say, I, I'm not going to work with you. Or I've had it also, I think the same students mm. just literally turn back to back and not want to interact. Well, empathy building, I think, helps a lot. Um, when I had the student that tended to dominate a lot and there were some mental health issues there, a lot of the other students in the class didn't want to work with her. So what I did was I did some topical work based around a reading about empathy and helping others. Um, and I think it helped some of them see that the value in, you know, um, diversity and being more tolerant of others that are different to ourselves. Okay, so what about scenario number five? The learner who always asks for extra help on their resume or assignments that are outside of the classes that you're teaching. Actually, this is a good one for us to discuss because I always cave here whenever a learner says, please, can you look at my CV or please, can you look at this extra piece of work? Even if I don't really want to, I always end up doing it. So um, what would you do in this situation or what have you done? I've offered some support, so I've set expectations by saying, well, what questions do you have about Mm -hmm. it that I can help you with? I'm not going to proofread your work because that isn't my role. It's not fair to the other learners who are paying exactly the same as you for a course and you're getting extra support for free for a proofreader. That's not fair. So instead, I I put the onus back on the student to say, what are the questions? What are the problems? And ask me about it and I'll give you some guidance or advice, but I'm not going to sit there and, and proofread and edit your work. That's just not that's just not my role you know yeah because it can quite easily just turn into a lot of extra work for you I remember that happened in one of my advanced writing classes that they quite a few of them wanted CVs checking um kind of university admissions personal statements and things like that and in the end as alongside the typical marking of the course I was marking like a couple of extra things every single after every single lesson almost mm. and that really adds up doesn't it to your workload and then takes away from your lesson planning time and all the other responsibilities that you have on your teaching schedule so it's just not sustainable mm. in the long run maybe another solution would be if it's a common pattern among the learners and it's in need then perhaps do a cv writing workshop and get them to um edit each other's work and give feedback and work on mm. developing their writing based on feedback from their peers there's no reason why your your peer feedback won't be just as valuable as feedback from your teacher. That's right. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. So we've touched on quite a few classroom management problems today. I think for me, the key takeaways were to set expectations early on in the course. As you would with your young learners, it's just mm-hmm. different types of expectations that you may have that are appropriate for adult learners, right? It's exactly the same, actually. Mm. And I think there's an element of trying to understand where their behaviour comes from as well. So why is it that they don't want to work with this person or why is it that they're coming late to class? Good. So I think that's point number two that I'm taking away is like investigate Mm -hmm. what the cause and what the underlying problem is before you then find a solution and choose a strategy to, to manage the issue. Great. So then step three is choose the strategy. Yeah. And you may have to experiment with a few different ones. Talk to your fellow colleagues and brainstorm um, some ideas and find out what is the best fit for the problem that is occurring in the class or for that particular class that you're working with. So that's all from us this week. Yep, and if you've got a question that you'd like us to answer, then you can contact us by going to our website, www.tsoulpop.com. Or you can contact us on social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we're on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. See you next week. Bye.